This conversation on COVID-19 is made possible by Discovery. Hello, I'm Jackie Cameron. Welcome to episode 77 of Inside COVID-19. In this episode, we look at life under level two of lockdown. First, we explore how a Johannesburg community has created its own COVID-19 response system, including operating a community-run ambulance service. And we speak to Dinesh Govender, the CEO of Discovery Vitality, about what social reintegration means for Vitality's members and its lifestyle partners. South Africa may be the first to sign a deal to help produce a COVID-19 vaccine, potentially boosting access to immunization on the continent. This is according to Bloomberg, which says that the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, a global organization which funds vaccine development, is considering the Cape Town-based BioVac Institute as a full-finished site. It quotes Helen Rees, the chair of the organization's scientific advisory board. The state vaccine company is one of few in the country that has the capacity to package doses into sterile dispensers if clinical trials are successful, says the Newswire. Morena Makawana, BioVac's chief executive officer, is quoted as saying, what we are looking at is partnerships. Once that is signed, we will be able to make an announcement. A manufacturing agreement will put Africa on a similar path to other continents, much like the clinical trials are doing, he said. Bloomberg says that South Africa is the only country in Africa that hosts several clinical studies. It has 2,000 people in the AstraZeneca and University of Oxford vaccine trial, while Novavax announced earlier this month that it's starting a phase 2B clinical trial. One-fifth of the 60,000 volunteers expected to enroll worldwide in Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine trial will be in South Africa, said Glenda Gray, the chief executive officer of the South African Medical Research Council. South Africa has published the names of all companies that won coronavirus-related government contracts. This is in a bid to crack down on corruption. This would make it the first country on the continent to do so, says Bloomberg. This move comes as a graft scandal related to procurement of medical equipment that implicated staff in President Cyril Ramaphosa's own office sullies the reputation of the ANC. Earlier this week, Ramaphosa wrote to ANC members warning them that the allegations are tarnishing its image. The list details COVID-19 procurement information from all provinces, national departments and more than 70 public entities. This is according to a statement from the presidency on Wednesday, though when BizNews checked, not all the links were yet live. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the U.S. says that, based on what is known at this time, pregnant women might be at increased risk for severe illness from COVID-19 compared to non-pregnant women. Additionally, pregnant women with COVID-19 might have an increased risk of adverse pregnancy outcomes, such as preterm birth. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says it is supporting multiple efforts to better understand the impact of COVID-19 during pregnancy on both the mother and infant, and it is currently working on research. South African management consultancy Red Flank says that 76% of businesses in South Africa have seen their revenues shrink and a quarter have had to shut down temporarily or permanently. And for just two in 10 businesses, it is business as usual, while only a tiny fraction of businesses, 2%, have grown their operations during COVID-19 lockdown. 
Business partner The Wall Street Journal reports that Moderna says it is seeing promising signs in its experimental coronavirus vaccine. While Moderna and other companies are racing to develop vaccines to protect people from the new coronavirus, some experts have been concerned that vaccines won't offer as much protection in older adults. The immune system generally weakens with age, which can make it harder for a vaccine to induce a sufficient immune response against the disease, says The Wall Street Journal. In Moderna's Phase 1 study, volunteers received two doses of the vaccine four weeks apart. Moderna added to the trial subjects who were 56 years and older to evaluate the vaccine's safety and effectiveness in older age groups. The company has started a large pivotal trial aimed at assessing whether the immune responses translate into actual protection from COVID-19 disease. The Wall Street Journal says that so far, Moderna has enrolled more than 15,200 volunteers and is aiming for 30,000 people who are receiving either the vaccine or a placebo. Researchers will track whether the rate of symptomatic COVID-19 is lower among vaccinated people than in unvaccinated people. Moderna says it is possible it will have interim efficacy results from the large trial as early as October, which, if positive, could support U.S. authorization of emergency use of the vaccine. Earlier this month, Moderna said it had agreed to provide 100 million doses to the U.S. government for $1.5 billion. Under the deal, the U.S. has the option to buy another 400 million doses. Earlier this week, the BBC broadcast a story focusing on the Sebokeng Hospital, a large regional hospital in Gauteng, where an anonymous doctor has alleged that COVID-19 patients have died of hypothermia. Earlier this year, the BBC focused on the distressed state hospitals in the Eastern Cape are in. In this interview, my colleague Linda van Tilburg speaks to the driving force of a community initiative to help people who need medical help in Lanasia amid the failings of the state system. The healthcare system in South Africa has in many parts of the country faltered in its response to the COVID-19 pandemic that led to a surge in hospital admissions. A doctor who wanted to remain anonymous has told the BBC that suspected COVID-19 patients have routinely been left for hours in sub-zero temperatures in tents outside the Sebokeng Hospital. The lack of a proper response by health authorities in their area has prompted the community in Lanasia outside Johannesburg to create their own COVID-19 response system as people started falling ill in their area. The man behind the initiative is Abu Bakr Sayed from the Sabri Shisti community-run ambulance service. Business caught up with him as he returned from a shift and he said that he lost family members to the coronavirus. So currently we have a non-profit ambulance organization which has been existing for over 30 years. And within our ambulance we provide emergency medical assistance to people in Indonesia and surrounding areas. So before COVID-19 hit our South African shores, I got a group of doctors to sit together and decide what is it we're going to be doing for our community. What difference we can make for our community as we have seen how the pandemic has affected uh, places in Europe. So we decided that we need to be slightly prepared and ready to engage with our community if something does happen. Initially, we thought about creating a hospice where we would sort of towards the end of life thought if the hospitals are overburdened and they were turned away, patients were turned away, at least we'd be able to create a facility where these patients can go. Subsequent and as time developed, we thought about rather doing something like that, we know our health system in South Africa is going to be exhausted. There was a point in July 
where even the private hospitals were inundated and divert signs were up. So patients couldn't access hospital care. So we had these oxygen concentrators, which we made available for the public. And obviously we used qualified doctors, we used specialists, we used physicians that would sort of go out with the ambulance and provide these oxygen concentrators to patients. So it wasn't just about giving an oxygen concentrator. It was about these local GP or general practitioner would sort of be more involved and take over the healthcare from the patient based on, on seeing what type of medication is required, at what point in time would they prefer prescribing steroids, etc. So this was given in combination with the oxygen concentrators. Because as we know, with COVID-19, unfortunately, it affects the lungs and made it difficult for lots of people, especially during the breathing process, and they were suffering with breathing. So by giving them these oxygen concentrators, we found that it made a huge difference in their lives. It had a huge impact. And that's how we were able to try and provide for our communities within this area. So we had over 60 oxygen machines available. So what we said is that patients could provide for themselves, and we found that people are more than likely and more than willing to look after the loved one that's affected with COVID-19. So in cases where they couldn't get access to hospital, there was no hospital beds available. Those are the type of patients that we were able to provide oxygen for them at home and also trying to tell them patients and the doctors, if you can try and get an oxygen bed within the next two or three days, try and get the patient to hospital. Because as we know, hospital is a better option. But during this time, we made sure that patients that were at home, there was a physiotherapist. Physiotherapists were part of our team. It was a mixed multidisciplinary team of doctors, of physiotherapists, of uh, people going out and doing blood tests, etc. And this is what made doctors be able to decide as to what best treatment could they follow. How badly was Lanasia hit by COVID-19? I think Lanasia, we could say, was in the epicenter because we are based in Johannesburg. So we were inundated with calls. Unfortunately, during the pandemic, I had family members that were scattered all over the different hospitals because there was no availability of hospitals. Unfortunately, I also lost two family members. I lost my father and his brother during this COVID-19 crisis. The one was the president of Sabrachisti, and the other one was the chairman of Sabrachisti. So besides, uh, the community itself suffered a loss by losing two senior members of our organization. I'm so sorry to hear about your father and your uncle. And how old was your father and your uncle? My father was 75 years old, and my uncle was 64 years old. So Lanesia was hard hit during this point in time. Do you think your community is particularly susceptible to COVID-19? Initially, when the pandemic started, we knew it was going to hit our communities. And we said we are a large Asian population in Indonesia. Looking at the statistics overseas, we said it affects people with underlying conditions. So knowing the area, we know we have lots of people with diabetes and underlying conditions. So, yes, initially when we planned, I didn't expect that we were sort of be using these own oxygen concentrators and things on my dad and his brother and the rest of the family members. But as it spans out, that's what exactly happened. We started using it on them as well. So initially when this started off, we just thought of making a difference in the community. Do you have any idea of how many cases there were in Lanasia? At this point in time, it's difficult for me to tell you, but I recall last time speaking to the environmental health officers, I think there was more than 300 cases that were in Indonesia, and this is a small suburb that we're talking of. Are you over the worst of it? Has it come down, the figures? Yes, thus far the figures have seemed to come down. 
I think the mortality rate also in the area has come down. So we're just hoping that we don't see another second spike as the, everyone else is predicting. Is the community adhering to the social distancing rules? Yes, I think the community is quite strict. People are adhering to the social distancing rule. And from a personal experience, I think if it's by the will of God, if it's meant for you to get COVID-19, you're going to get COVID-19. But yes, the community has been responsible about it. There's a lot of education campaigns, etc., regarding social distancing and taking the necessary precautionary measures. In the United Kingdom, what is called the BAME communities, the Black, Asian and Middle Eastern communities, have been hit particularly hard by COVID-19. Research is ongoing on why that is. What do you think the reason is? I think the thing might be is because of the way people live together. So it's just how uh, in, in one household you'll find parents along with their children, perhaps grandchildren living in the same household and their extended families. So I think perhaps this is a reason why it's sort of been hit bigger in the numbers of the easier spread of infection. And it is predominantly a Muslim community. So how did this affect your call to prayer? No, Lanesia is a mixed community, not just a Muslim area. But yes, the call of prayer, we were affected with regard to most of the mosques initially were closed. Afterwards, they started opening up with government uh, laws and abiding to the 50 people in congregation, etc. So are you worried about a second wave? Definitely, we all are worried about the second wave and we're uncertain if the second wave is going to hit us and how soon it's going to hit us because kids are going back to school. Uh, unfortunately, we also seen that people are becoming more laxed about the rules, about social distancing, about wearing a mask, etc. So, yep, we quite afraid and especially being in the forefront of this, you know, with our medics and our doctors, we quite concerned about this. This is Linda von Tolberg for Biz News. Next, we speak to Dinesh Govender, CEO of Discovery Vitality, about how life is changing for its members and how Vitality members are using their awards to help those in need. Discovery is a financial services company offering everything from uh, medical aid to, uh, to investments, life insurance, banking, uh, and short-term insurance. But really at its core is our purpose of making people healthier and enhancing and protecting their lives. We've built this shared value insurance model, which says if we can make our members healthier, if we can reduce their risks, it's good for us and it's good for them, and we can reward them in different ways. And that's where Vitality comes in. So Vitality is the world's largest uh, incentivized behavior change program. What we do is we basically reward people for doing the right things for themselves. So if you eat well, if you exercise, if you go for preventative screenings and assessments, uh, you will be able to, on the basis of that, get rewarded with all sorts of lovely stuff. And that's from cashbacks and paybacks on your life insurance to fuel rewards in uh, your car insurance, but also in terms of very, very sexy rewards in terms of uh, disc- massive discounts on gym membership, half price on movies, uh, free coffees and smoothies and uh, shopping vouchers for exercising every week and so on. One of our sexier rewards is actually in the travel side as well, which is, you know, um, up to 35, 50, 75% off on flights and accommodation through the Vitality Benefits. So we, we have some incredible partnerships um, locally and globally, and, uh, and uh, it helps us manifest the brand physically for our members. If you think about insurance, insurance is quite an intangible um, product. 
but uh, through vitality, we make it physical. So there's some assets we have, such as Team Vitality, which is a running and cycling club, which is very much vitality. But a lot of our biggest benefits uh, and rewards come through some amazing partners. So, for example, we partner uh, locally with Virgin Active and Planet Fitness, two incredible gym chains. Uh, we've had, you know, 20 years of relationship with uh, with them. On the travel side, we partner with Kalula and British Airways locally and with Emirates, Qantas and British Airways internationally for uh, for flight benefits. We partner with Apple on uh, on their wearable devices. So you'll see that in, in each and every one of these uh, of our categories, we sort of choose one of the you know one of the best one of the best players in that marketplace to uh, to uh, to partner with. Uh, COVID nineteen's been for for us it wasn't it was a uh, you know we took it as an opportunity to say how do we remain relevant uh, in our members' lives when they need us most you know sort of the hard lockdown in particular made our health even more uh, top of mind. People couldn't go to gyms. People weren't moving as much. They were locked up inside their houses. And uh, and also, you know, it's a time when there's lots of stress and anxiety. So mental well-being becomes an issue. Stress eating becomes an issue. So, you know, rather than sort of, you know, sort of sit back, at what we did at Vitality was say, how do we like up our game in terms of remaining incredibly relevant? And uh, and what we did over this period is we evolved the program. We 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 called it Vitality at Home. And we evolved the program so that we could offer members uh, benefits that were relevant in the home space. We created a home workout channel together with our partners, where if you go onto Vitality at Home, you'll find a channel with all sorts of workout uh, videos for high-intensity cardio, stretching, uh, workouts for your kids. We created a home nutrition channel. So in addition to having an actual Vitality Healthy Food Studio where people can come in and learn how to cook nutritious meals, we actually created videos and, and posted them on the on our website for members to have a look at and choose their favorite recipes. We created a mental well-being channel so that people could actually go through the steps around understanding mindfulness, the importance of, of sleep over this period and tips and tools, but also ways in which to to engage with counselors if needed. And and what we did is any benefits that were relevant during the period, we, we in, increased the, uh, the rewards on those. So as an example, during the hardest lockdown levels, the partners that were most relevant for our members were our healthy food partners, Woolworths and Pick and Pay, uh, and our healthy care partners, Clicks and Discan. Now, both of those partners, we offer 25 to 50% of the uh, healthy food and healthy care items list. So when you're eating well at Woolworths or Pick and Pay, when you're buying your fruit, veggie, skinless chicken or at Woolworths, you're getting a massive discount on it. What we did over lockdown level five and all the way up until the end of uh, August is we doubled whatever your healthy food and healthy care discounts were to continue to keep members rewarded. We, during lockdown level four, when our healthy gear partners were, were reopened, we also doubled the healthy gear rewards, uh, so that people could get their yoga mats, their gym, home gym equipment, their, their, their sports apparel. Uh, at a at a at a big discount. So in addition to that, we we thought of a few other ways to help because there were of course new challenges that we were all coming face to face with. One of those challenges was the fact that we we couldn't go out for entertainment. So we introduced uh, Netflix and gaming vouchers uh, on our Active Rewards Mall so that people could keep themselves entertained at home. The other big challenge, which you know many many parents have encountered, is that all of a sudden they had to learn homeschooling and how to support their kids at home, their school learning. And that's where we partnered with 
Top Dog, which provides uh, online learning support for grades 4 to 12. The Discovery Vitality CEO discussed how Vitality members had adapted to COVID-19. You know, naturally people stopped working out at gyms. The gyms were closed. But we saw that digital workouts uh, started to increase quite rapidly. And we saw anyone with heart rate wearables, which is something we've been driving hard for the last, you know, sort of five years, uh, really actually up their game. And we saw the number of heart rate uh, workouts <clears throat> increase over this period. Uh, in addition to that, once we started driving uh, incentives and active rewards, uh, lowering the lowering the the um, the targets, making it easier for people and encouraging them to take steps, we saw that even the the number of people doing ten thousand steps a day started to to recover after the uh, you know sort of after the uh, early April sort of dip. Um, so that was at that level. What was on the anecdotal side, what was really really great is. Um, on social media, and you know, many members use social media as a servicing channel. Um, we found m- many members actually responding very positively to to the message we were putting out in terms of not just these rewards um, uh, improvements, but also just the concessions we were making, such as pausing gym visits, extending uh, eligibility for maximum discounts on healthy food and healthy care. So, lots of messages of thank you and gratitude from members, which uh, uh, which which was very pleasing. Have uh, have now moved back into a space where gyms are open under under some very strict protocols. Cinemas are open as well, and uh, and travel recommences. Uh, so what we've done what we've done in this space is worked very closely with our gym partners. The gyms are reopened right now. They're restricted to fifty people per club, but we're going to you know we're working with them to actually get get government to to uh, extend that to probably fifty percent capacity of club, uh, which we think would be more reasonable. And yeah, so members can go back to gym uh, safely and vigilantly, I hope. The same goes for cinemas. And on the travel side, what's, uh, you know, later, you know, within a week, we are going to open up travel for, uh, in terms of accommodation options. Um, many members now will be looking to take mini breaks at hotels and game lodges. So our, we're going to work with our partners, Kalula, to reopen the uh, the accommodation options on their travel platform. People are fatigued by the lockdown if you look at the way the the gyms and the cinemas are reopening they're doing it in incredibly incredibly careful uh ways with with protocols that are are, are world class so we're, we're seeing our members go back it's it's very early days but you know i've gotten lots of messages uh this entire week and bits of last week around members being really really happy to uh to be back at gym a few of my friends on instagram have been posting their their pictures of them uh, back in their second homes, as they as they like to call it. So we think we're getting it back. We think we're we're driving that again. We also have healthy dining benefits, where members choosing healthy options at uh, certain eat out restaurants uh, can can also benefit from uh, from discounts. And uh, and we've seen we've seen that tick up as well over this period. So hopefully we get the the economy stimulated, but we do so in a way that's responsible and. And, and and allows us to not forget that the virus is still out there. Discovery Vitality members have been very generous with their rewards. We've got a fabulous move to give crowdsource philanthropy effort where our members, as they exercise, earn, they earn Discovery miles, and they're able to use those miles for their own coffees and smoothies and shopping vouchers, but they're also able to donate them to uh, to charitable causes. And right now the world needs um, needs philanthropy. So our members have donated over this period alone, we've raised over 2 million rands from our members uh, going to all sorts of causes from the Solidarity Fund to 
Food for ODSA, to other feeding initiatives, to UNICEF's hand washing basin uh, initiatives. So really, really helping society beyond themselves. And I think it talks to the core purpose of discovery, making people healthier, but it also just talks to the values of our of membership base. And I'd like to say a huge thank you to them. And that brings to a close your Inside COVID-19. Until next time. 